0: Welcome back to the Forces More Than Law podcast. I'm Mary Stickland, a knowledge development lawyer in the commercial real estate team, and I'm joined today via the medium of Zoom by a trio of partners from across the commercial real estate team. Uh, we've got podcast first-timer Magnus Hassett from the transactional team, and podcast returnees Ben Barrison from our property litigation team, and last, by no means least, uh, Emily Holdstock from our construction team. Welcome, all of you.
1: Thank you. Hello. Hi, Mary.
0: So today we're about a month into the lockdown measures in the UK and we're going to talk through some of the issues uh, that we've seen in the real estate market as a result of the arrival of the COVID-19 pandemic. So Ben and Magnus, if I can start off with you, from an investment uh, and sort of property management point of view, what are some of the key challenges that we've been um, helping clients deal with over the last few weeks?
2: Well, I think the biggest ones I've seen, Mary, are rent how it's going to be paid, how any concessions are going to be dealt with, queries about insurance, can the landlord's claim on their policies, do the tenants have business interruption insurance? And we've been feeling quite a few queries about site security and managing things like shopping centres and retail parks where you may have one tenant that's still open, but the majority of which have shut.
1: Yeah, and from a transactional point of view, Mary, there's been some interesting practical stuff around... um, how you get land registry documents, wet ink signed in the current environment and um, you know which courier needs to go where, can I use an electronic form of signature like DocuSign with a kind of um, further assurance clause to help me out with the registration aspects of that. Uh, we've also got interesting debates on a few deals around uh, whether there should be a kind of force majeure uh, clause related to coronavirus so, you know, should my completion date or should my works target date be um, extendable by um, reference to a coronavirus event? Uh, and in what circumstances should that be triggered uh, or, or be brought to an end? Uh, just generally speaking, obviously, helping clients navigate the uncertainty of what we're going through has been, um, you know, interesting for us. So we've, we've had to adopt some new technologies like Zoom quite quickly um, and we've been running Zoom clinics for clients uh, where we've you know got a transactional lawyer and a litigation lawyer on the same call, just fielding general queries. And um, I think a number of clients have found that really useful. Absolutely.
0: Ben, you mentioned um, shopping centres and retail. Are they the sectors feeling the biggest impact um, of the pandemic? And what kind of steps are you seeing clients taking To try and mitigate that and i suppose that applies in in all sectors
2: i think that's right mary i mean the, the the main queries we're getting from clients are the retail and the hospitality sectors as those industries are dependent on footfall and they're within the bracket of those that have been told by the government they have to shut um we're seeing a real range of approaches from our clients as i think a lot of them recognize that some of their tenants are genuinely in serious financial difficulties at the moment as they're dependent on customers and guests coming through and spending money Um, other tenants are in not such serious difficulties but nevertheless are seeing a bit of a downturn so a lot of our landlord clients are taking a case-by-case approach looking to nurse some tenants through with others they're looking to take a, a slightly firmer line and are asking for some quite detailed financial information to gauge quite how bad the situation is for the tenants which i think is fair enough as in amongst all of this we've got to remember that the landlords are running businesses too and are dependent on the income i think a lot of a lot of people are adopting immediate concessions Um, equally i think my impression is, is a lot of the market are prepared to watch at the moment we've had a bad quarter in march for a lot of people in terms of rent payments Um, We've got the June quarter coming up, which will be nearly three months of no trading for a lot of tenants. So whether that's going to be even worse than the March quarter. And we have a lot of people at the moment lobbying the government for further measures to be implemented to help businesses.
1: Yeah, And what's interesting is that sort of, as Ben says, on a a case by case basis, you have got landlords and occupiers exploring um, ways to resolve non-payment of rent. In a mutually satisfactory way, so you know, could that look like a, a rent holiday for three or six months combined with a uh, an extension to that tenant's lease? Um, I think we're certainly seeing a few of those sorts of deals coming through. I think one sector which um, is proving pretty resilient is is logistics, um, as you might expect if you've tried to place an Accardo order recently. <laughs> You know, there's still there's ongoing development um, that we're dealing with ongoing land acquisition and we've got you know lettings to the usual suspects in the in the, in the logistics sector as well so um, I think that's one sector which is um is doing okay for now
2: I think it's fair to say magnus isn't it that the people who are actually consulting cooperating and collaborating with each other are getting some quite mutually Um, beneficial packages arranged at an early stage and are working their way through the issues.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right.
0: So we have seen the enactment of some legislation, um, the Coronavirus Act 2020. Ben, what impact has the Act had and has the legislation actually gone far enough?
2: Well, at at the moment, Miri, you've got the legislation has put a moratorium on the landlord's ability to forfeit for non-payment of rent until the 30th of June. Um, That means the landlord cannot change the locks and cannot pursue an action for forfeiture through the court. Um, It doesn't do anything to the tenant's underlying obligation to pay the rent. So that is on the commercial property side. The residential property side, the government has extended timeframes for residential proceedings and stayed every current action and any new actions. There was a little bit of confusion in the market as the original effect of the legislation was to stop all possession proceedings including trespasses. Um, but as of about 24 hours ago an amendment has been made so if there are squatters people can still take action through the courts to clear the land. In terms of whether the legislation's gone far enough I think if the intention of the legislation is to get as many people through this period as possible then from a tenant perspective and landlord perspective perhaps it hasn't i can see grounds on which the tenant would say why have you stopped forfeiture and left the landlords with the ability to pursue winding up proceedings and the landlords may say well just about every single other sector is getting a lot of support what about our reliance to the rent payments so my feeling is that there's more to come i think there's a lot of support in the uh retail industry for the government to do more to help the tenants out and I would expect if the government does that that the landlords will get some sort of comfort as well.
0: Okay we need to bring Emily in here because she's been silent for far too long. (laughs) Um, So so Emily from a development point of view are projects still managing to proceed Um, and if they're not then what are the consequences of site closures?
3: Uh, So the answer to that is, uh, Miri, yes, sites are uh, continuing to be open. I think initially, the first week or so after the lockdown, we had lots of clients contacting us saying what should be happening, should contractors be closing sites? And I think there was a lot of uncertainty, uh, not helped by the fact we had people um, like uh, Sadiq Khan coming out in London saying that he thought all construction sites should be shut and the government saying very little Um, or nothing about construction sites. But since then, there has been a flurry of sort of guidance and advice, which which does make it clear that projects can continue safely, um, that social distancing measures should obviously be implemented where that's practicable. And the health and safety executive have also now got involved in sort of monitoring projects site by site. So even where we have had sites that have closed down for a short period of time, uh, contractors are now coming back onto site. Um, We're seeing building merchants that are open, supplying materials and things. So it is possible for construction works to continue. And anecdotally, that is what uh, what we're seeing and what our clients and, and contacts are seeing. Uh, if sites are either forced to close or um, are closed by mutual agreement between client and contractor, which we are seeing some, some clients agree, then the practical consequences of that really are to make sure that insurers are notified of the consequences of the closure. Uh, and also um, making sure that the site is safe and secure and that materials and equipment is safely locked away we're giving a lot of advice at the moment to clients about those kind of practical um, aspects of a a suspension on site and what the contractual provisions
0: around that might be and sort of looking forward I guess with your litigation hat on um, which provisions of construction contracts are we going to see tested uh, the most rigorously as a result of the lockdown
3: So it's twofold, really, Biri. I mean, we're seeing with construction contracts which are being negotiated at the moment with my non-contentious hat on, we're seeing very similar to what Magnus mentioned earlier, actually, in terms of clients wanting to negotiate a reasonable position now with a contractor about the consequences of coronavirus over the next few months on supply of materials and available workforce. Um, So I think the provisions that are going to be tested in that context and also where contracts are already in place will be... Um, Provisions around uh, delays to projects, site suspension, and the provisions which might or might not entitle a contractor to claim additional um, money as a result of any delays associated with coronavirus. Um, And ultimately, depending on how long all of this goes on for, uh, most standard form construction contracts will permit termination in certain circumstances so uh, the key for some of our clients and their project team is just to monitor how long any site suspensions and that kind of thing are going on um, because we don't want inadvertently certain rights to start arising without us having sort of thought through properly the consequences of that.
0: Okay so final question which I'm going to throw open to all of you Um, because we want to end on a positive note uh, what kind of positives can we take do you think from this experience magnus do you want to start us off
1: of course yeah well yeah i'm just thinking back to those those initial days of lockdown you know nearly five weeks ago now and that that sense of almost um panic about can we make this work and you know what, what i think the last month or so has shown is that working from home can work the resilience of the forsters team you know the way we've looked after our clients and each other during that period I think has been you know really inspiring separately i think yeah the way we've had to accelerate um, adoption of new technology really is a, a perhaps a guide for the future as well i think you know calls like this on zoom where we can all see each other probably you know got to be better than doing conference calls in the old-fashioned way going forward and i suspect they'll replace those kind of 30 minute cross london meetings where you had to hop on the tube but um perhaps clients will prefer just to do a zoom call now and then finally for me I think time with the family at home um, and having that sense of being able to work flexibly during the day get getting the work done whilst sort of having time for other stuff at home and perhaps that's again a guide for us in terms of people's long-term view of what agile working looks like
0: Emily Ben anything to add I think for me the biggest change professionally has been um
3: obviously when we left the office we brought a certain amount of paper with us and since then we I haven't printed anything so I've done five <laughs> weeks if you'd asked me five weeks ago I'd have said oh construction lawyers need a lot lot of paper and, and actually that's <laughs> not true and I'm managing to function perfectly well with my my surface pro and my stylus so um so that's a big learning point for me but I think also actually what Magnus touched on um the availability of DocuSign and how um, revolutionary that's been actually in terms of getting things signed, particularly construction lawyers, we've got lots and lots of documents that will go out at any one time, boxes and boxes sometimes, um, and having an ability to email them out in electronic format is um, quicker and saves a, a lot of trees, I think. So um, I think it'll be, it'll be great if we
0: can embrace that kind of technology um, when we're back in the office. I would echo that. I mean, we've, as you say, we've had to embrace it due to necessity, and you know, there's been quite a lot of sort of skirting around the edges, particularly in the real estate field. I mean, DocuSign's nothing new to corporate lawyers, but for us, it's been, you know, quite a steep learning curve and something that I think everybody has had to just jump on board with and and almost sort of get over their reservations. Ben, anything you want to add? It doesn't have to be about DocuSign. <laughs> um...
2: <laughs> I've, I, I've really enjoyed being able to have lunch and dinner with my family every day. It sounds, I mean, you suddenly realise how often when you're at work, you're coming home and everyone's eaten already. Um, also, I mean, the tech piece and the fact that this has given every business the opportunity to almost re-examine a 100 years worth of working practices and work out that actually we can do, as Emily says, I've hardly printed anything. I'm doing these Zoom calls with clients for a litigator. So often I'm parachuted in, can you have an hour on the phone with a client or send an email, this is a cue. We, I've been meeting people that I've dealt with over the phone for the last, say, year or six months and actually seeing them face-to-face because actually there's the opportunity with the tech. I can't can't believe we didn't do
1: it before. I have to say Absolutely. from a printing point of view, I've, I've definitely printed more schoolwork than um, work. <laughs> 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 I'm getting my third set of new Canon cartridges coming today, I think. (laughs)
0: Um, Thanks all so much for joining me today. It's been really nice to see you virtually, at least. Um, And if listeners would like to check out our other podcasts, they're available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other providers. Um, If you'd like more information on the firm, you can visit our website, forsters.co.uk, or on all the usual social media feeds, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until next time, goodbye. Of course, the Northern Law podcast is for general information only and should not be considered to be professional advice. Forster's LLP accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct or consequential loss arising from the use of, reliance on or reference to this podcast. Forster's LLP makes no warranty or representation as to the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast. The More than all podcast and all copyright in it is the property of Forster's LLP and it should not be used, reproduced or quoted whether in whole or part without Forster's LLP's prior written consent.